Welcome to this live stream podcast. We've got a very special guest today. One of my passions right now is we're talking about leadership. And so we've got a tremendous leader joining us today. And he's now the author of a book called Do Life Differently. Jeff Reeder, he's an author, speaker, businessman, Baylor University uh, regent, also a wide receiver at Baylor, state champion at Jinx. We got to talk about that. Former advisor to Dr. Ben Carson and deacon of Second Baptist Houston. He also manages more than $6 billion in assets for his clients every single day as a partner with Northwestern Mutual. He's been doing that now for decades. Um, Jeff, first off, God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't mind, I mean, I obviously give a little bit of your background, but let's just talk a little bit more about your background and what was your inspiration to write this book? Oh, thanks, Chris. You know, well, first of all, let me just say this. It's, it, it is not lost on me that this is a big deal. And the only indication that maybe this isn't a big deal is because you're having me. And so no. I feel like you've not possibly stooped to an all new low of who you needed as a guest, but I'm honored and humbled and, and certainly grateful for, uh, for this opportunity to spend a few minutes with you. Well, I, I appreciate that. But no, when, I, when we saw what you're up to and obviously your incredible background, I was like, hey, this is a great opportunity to talk about leadership. I, because what I see happening today, and I don't know how much you, if you've got any kids, but um, we actually just interviewed an author by the name of Dr. Warren Farrell, and he's got a book called The Boy Crisis. And if you look what's happening in our society today, young men are lost. We've got so many you know, broken families. And when you look at the, the, the statistics, women are out obviously performing men when it comes to education. You've now got a lot of young men that are being incarcerated because of broken families. And these young men are lost. So I guess, what can we be doing as leaders to help this next generation of young men, which I would say help them become virtuous men that are outstanding leaders. Oh man, Chris, you're on the right topic. I think fatherlessness is literally the greatest malady in America. It's the root issue uh, from a number of things. And I, I have had the distinct privilege of raising three sons plus two adopted sons. Um, and it's funny, our sons are 29, 27, 25. Cindy, my wife, who really deserves the credit for uh, much that happened with those boys, uh, and I are so grateful that the, the guys have, have turned out in a way that we're just so proud of. We had dinner with them last night, which we don't always. One of them lives wow. in the city, and all, all five of us had dinner together and just laughed and had so much fun. But I do think that this issue of fatherlessness and the, the you know, kind of the American male. Uh, in general, is we've got to step up as men and, and lead as men and be who uh, we can be as extraordinary people to make a difference in our world. And passivity has crept into our world in a way where we kind of go, yeah, I don't like what's going on, but I'm not going to do anything about it because I'm scared to or I'm just passive. I'm, I'm, I'm lean back. I'm chilled. I'm going to play some golf. I'm not sure. And we've got to work harder. So what does that look like to you? I mean, if you were going to say, Chris, if I had a magic wand and I wanted to start to develop virtuous young men, I mean, for example, there was a gentleman at a university that I was talking to recently. He's an old wrestling coach. He's done a lot of leadership work with young men. And he's like, Chris, here's the reality. If men would stop being, you know, they call them Johns in the sex trafficking world, right? Stop being Johns. Guess what? There's no more human trafficking happening in, in this world. Like, so he really puts the onus on men. How, how, if you had a magic wand, would you start to develop virtuous men? Yeah, I love that question. You know, I wrote that book. Uh, and and honestly, you know, I, it took me five years to write it uh, because I'm a perfectionist, partly. And also because uh, 
it, it's hard to be humble and write a book. Uh, and so it's kind of like, oh, I'm writing this book because I think I have an opinion that other people ought to read and, and pay some attention to. But I am absolutely convinced and really passionate about this idea that if we'll do life differently and be strategic by design, not by default, run after extraordinary church, choose a virtuous path, not, you know, not get on the, the, the road, you know, less traveled to the wrong place, uh, which is really the road most traveled these days in America. You know, life is going to be much better. And I, I, I just think we that are fortunate to be on a journey that's moving toward extraordinary have got to tell the rest of us, hey, get out of that uh, mud hole. We tend to want to get our four wheel drive vehicle in the mud hole and do donuts and sling mud all over our children, all over our spouses or our ex spouses. And uh, we've just got to do better and get out of the mud hole and journey me, up the side of that hill. Let me ask you this, how how you've balanced this, because, you know, I said in your opening, you're a deacon of a second Baptist Houston. I saw you speak at the church there. So you're a faith filled man. And you hear a lot about like, OK, I'm going to turn my life over to Christ. Right. Like he's going to lead. I'm going to just be obedient to what he's asking me to do. He's going to guide my footsteps. I mean, even when you read Proverbs, you know, don't trust yourself, trust him. He's going to got, where's the the balance between, okay, I'm just going to lean into the Lord. He's going to take over my life. And then what you suggested developing a strategic path, because then it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm building the path, not, you know, not, not God. So where's that distinction for you? Yeah. Um, the word that comes out instantly, Chris, to that question is habit. Um, I'm convinced that habits are critical. You know, Aristotle uh, once said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, comes in the form of a habit, not an action or an act. And I'm convinced that it's as simple uh, as getting our habits right, getting rid of our bad habits that are going to lead us to to destruction in that mud pit and get choosing better habits and day by day, morning by more morning, moment wow. by moment, making choices that are different and become habitual. So let's dive into that. And, and I, I'm curious, I mean, it says here you're, you know, managing $6 billion. So here's the thing that I think I've struggled with at times, Jeff, is the fact that when I play quarterback, I knew my habits, right? Get good at my three-step drop, get good at my five-step drop. But then you get outside of that coaching and football and it's sort of like, okay, what are my habits to go manage $6 billion? So what are what are some habits that you're like, okay, Chris, I don't care if you're going to manage $6 billion, be a teacher, a janitor, an entrepreneur, like what would those habits be that would then lead people to have happiness and success? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, let me tell you this. 50,000 clients of our firm trust us with their wealth. Um, and I'm so fortunate to be the managing partner of a firm with 170 advisors and, and just this extraordinary team. And so can you imagine if we were just kind of roughshod, running over, not having habits, not having structure, no systems, we're just trying to see how we do. I don't think we'd have 50,000 clients and I don't think we'd have the track record of success that we've had. And that's the truth for a firm like ours. And it's the truth for any individual that wants to run life in a way that's extraordinary, that's that's pointed toward extraordinary. And so, you know, Chris, for me, um, I, I get up early in the morning. I mean, I, I joke around about it. I don't define it anymore, but it's in the fours is what I call it. 
And I just had this structure that I strangely didn't like at the beginning. It felt like discipline. It felt like hard, hard to get up. Uh, I didn't want to get out of bed, you know, that sort of thing. And these days I am just, I am, I'm sort of like a deer that pants after water. (laughs) I want to get to that place where I'm growing in wisdom and stature and in fellowship with God and fellowship with man. And we think that that's an age old principle. Oh yeah, that's hokey. You know, that's uh, conservative. It must, I bet it doesn't work. But the truth is that there was a man that came to earth. He was the greatest leader in the history of the world. He said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly, have it extraordinarily. And his way is the way. And it's not only the way, it's also the truth and it is the life. And so I believe that with all my heart. And I'm convinced that after, you know, 37 years of being a business leader, uh, there's actually humbly a couple of things that would suggest in my life that maybe that actually works. So can you kind of walk us through what your morning uh, repetition or habits are? Are you getting up, getting in the word? Are you working out? Like, what are some of those habits? Yeah, um, uh, all of the above. But the, the most important thing is spending time in what I call the greatest book that's ever been written in the history of the world. I get a new one of them every year and I work through it. Uh, I wish I'd have brought mine uh, from home this morning. I should have, I could have shown you pages, but I start literally in the first page on the first day of the year. And I go nuts in that thing, writing and highlighting and outlining and writing in the margins. And actually I'm, I'm going to give these to my children's, uh, to my great grandchildren, and my children uh, and my grandchildren so that they can know that their grandpa was crazy, you know, uh, which is you know, kind of what I, what I say, but, um, I love that time. And then there's all sorts of structure there. I actually spend it and this will sound strange, but I think posture matters. I spend time, uh, in the mornings on my knees and people say, well, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. I'm weird. But I want to get myself, you know, uh, if I'm not careful, I could think I was a big deal. And I'm not a big deal. I'm Anywhere I am, it's by grace. It's not by my favor or my merit or anything I'm good at. And so I, I get myself in a posture that says, look, I got nothing. Uh, and so I want to I want to be the right man for all the right reasons. But I can't do I can't accomplish anything without uh, the favor of God. And so uh, that's a part of my mornings. And yeah, there's some push-ups and sit-ups and elliptical time and Peloton time and that sort of thing. So what, what kind of two questions in one, cause I'm with you. I mean, people talk about like, I, I've been going through a, a rough thing personally as of late. And so I'm not on my knees praying every morning. I'm on all fours at this point. Like, okay, God, like just <laughs> take it. Right. And um, so what, what do you, what, how do you stay driven and stay humble at the same time? Yeah. Um, you know, there's words that I've memorized and I think about LJPP. I've got this whole structure, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Um, and let my mind dwell on Thurpla is a word that, that I invented Thurpla, but that's whatever's true, honest, right, pure, lovely, admirable. So right now, uh, the mental health of people in America and even possibly the extraordinary people that listen to this very call are it, that their mental health is at an all time low. And I'm convinced that we have set up a society and we have set up a media system and uh, and, and, and and basically are, are 
cell phones uh, that just take us to a bad place. This thing, if we're not careful, will take us to a place that's not true and it's not honorable and it's not right or pure or lovely or admirable. And so you got to get that out of your life. Not to say you don't have a cell phone, because obviously I do. And I got people, uh, by the way, Trey Gowdy just texted me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, hey, you, if you have Trey Gowdy watching this, that's incredible. Uh, whatever, I, whatever. I, it's, I'm even more scared than I was to start. Uh, hey, maybe we'll get him to jump in with us and talk. So uh, he's, He knows too much about me. I don't want him on here. He, he would be impressive. That would be scary. Uh, I mean, I, I hope that we form some nice context here for your book. So for the people that are watching, listening, um, share with us, why should they go get your book? What are they going to get out of it? Yeah. You know, Chris, I'm so humbly grateful for what's happening with that crazy book. I don't know who who all these people are that are buying it. And I'm so grateful that the book is kind of standing on its own merit these days. It's a book that says, hey, let's lead. Let's do life by design, not by default. Uh, and, and, and let's run at extraordinary. I don't, I don't know anybody that believes they're at an extraordinary place, but I sure have a lot of friends and a lot of colleagues here at my firm that are doing life, running toward an extraordinary life pursuit. And that's what this book kind of energizes you to do. It's a book that has not only how to, but it's also got some really awesome stories of adventure, um, I get so many notes and cards about I, there was a time that I was archery uh, elk hunting up in the mountains and I almost got eaten by a bear and everybody knows that story the best. Uh, but, but those stories kind of lead to a point uh, that make it fun to read the book. Last question for you, sir. And then I'll give you the last word, but I think you, I think I saw you speak recently and you said you were married for 34 years. 34 years last week, actually. Yes. So congratulations, number one. And what's the secret to a successful 34-year marriage? Well, the first secret to that success is marrying so far over my head that I'm going to have to run really hard to just stay up with that girl. Um, she's the love of my life. And, you know, I spent about 10 years thinking that she had things about her that I would like to change. And, uh, man, that didn't go very well. And it, it hit me at some point that she has very little that needs to be changed. And what, the, what it, whatever that is, is her deal with God. And what the problem here is the guy that I'm looking at in the mirror. And so if I can just work on me and own my side of this and serve her and love her, and I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm telling you I'm a knucklehead most of the time and she puts up with a lot. But um, I, I, when I am talking to a lot of men and even clients of our firm who are, are really uh, having trouble with their, with their marriage or with their spouse, so many of us guys are saying stuff like, well, she's, you know, and it's, you know, I want to, and I do often say to our clients and people I care about, look, man, I don't experience you as too great either, you know, <laughs> you know? and so why don't you work on you and let the rest of that you know, be left to God or somebody, you know, your spouse and see if you can't inspire that person much more than dripping on that person to try to make adjustments, get them to make. I mean, we're men, we're knuckleheads. That's, I think you said it perfectly. You know what I mean? So, uh, sir, I'll give you the last word. Anything else you want to share that you think people should know? 
You know, just the main thing is what is possible if we will have a vision? You know, there's a biblical statement that is without a vision, people perish. And I ask my advisors to say this to their clients over and over. And here's here's and it's an add on. So I'm not sure I'm not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, look, you added on to God's word. And I told you specifically not to. But here's what it is. First part, without a vision, people perish. Okay, got that. Secondly, with a vision, often people thrive. And I've watched that. I've watched people thrive with a bold vision for what could be possible and then get in the habit of running toward it. And so that's kind of my last thought. That is phenomenal. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Again, Jeff Reeder, check out the book. Uh, you can get it. Amazon, just Google his name and obviously the name of the book and uh, do yourself a favor and have a fantastic read. And if you don't mind, Jeff, please tell uh, Congressman uh, Gowdy we say hello, okay? <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it very, very much. Thanks, Chris.